Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Going for Two podcast. I'm your co-host, Ben Cobb. Along with me is your other co-host, Logan Sartain. Logan, I heard you got off of the plane at 5 a.m. from Seattle, like a true football player. Is that right? I did. I did. I was really hoping that I would see uh, some sort of professional athletes flying through the night um, while I was up there. But, you know, I guess they're not flying uh coach on alaska airlines i I don't know (laughs) i I have a feeling that they're not um but (laughs) you know i did see my one uh interaction with a well not really interaction but seeing a nfl player on a plane once was i was i was coming back from acu actually and uh on a flight in december um and actually i guess i was going to acu flying down to texas from the Mm. northern virginia area where i where i'm from and i saw Emmett Smith on the plane and it was interesting because it was when Emmett Smith he went up and talked to the Baltimore Ravens after they won their Super Bowl or I guess during the playoffs and then uh was so we caught the same plane but he was in first class and one of the tall tale uh signs that he was Emmett Smith was that he had the like shiniest diamondiest watch on <laughs> I've ever seen I was like yep that's Emmett Smith uh, so it was pretty cool, but it doesn't sound like you had any of those interactions, but I guess, you know, maybe at 5am, that's not too surprising on a, what, Tuesday morning. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not too surprising. I am curious, Ben, could you tell how much taller did Emmett Smith look than you? Um, you know, I, I don't like to reveal my real height because, <laughs> um, because I don't like to admit it, but, uh, you know, he, he, all I saw him was sitting down, but he seemed like a very tall man. If that watch was any indication, very tall, confident, very rich man. (laughs) Well, you know, Uh, for the listeners out there, I'll, you know, when, when people are old and they don't want to say they're old, you know, they say they're 54 years young. I'm not going to tell you Ben's true height, but he does. Thank you. He, or I would measure it in, you know, he's so-and-so feet and inches short, not tall. Yeah, that's right. Well, that's okay. Cool, cool. Thanks, Logan. I'll just say like I'm I'm shorter than Kyler Murray, so I'll just leave it at that. Well, according to the combine, so am I. But I don't know if we believe that. <laughs> that's that's very true. Uh, speaking of Heisman winners, well, wow, what a good segue. That was actually here we go. Good for us. Uh, speaking <laughs> of Heisman winner, winners, Joe Burrow, not surprisingly, won the Heisman. Look, I'm very interested to hear your take on this. Just to recap for our listeners joe burrow won the heisman on saturday night um the candidates were jalen hurts chase young justin fields and the winner joe burrow in descending order it was joe burrow who won and then jalen hurts received uh the next uh most votes but it really was not close i remember saying Mm -hmm. it was like joe burrow received something like 2600 votes and jalen hurts uh received the next highest amount of votes at like 700 so it really was not close and then Chase Young followed that. And then Justin Fields uh, followed Chase Young, both representing Ohio State. So, Logan, I'm interested to hear uh, – let's start off with the most easiest – the easiest question of them all, just to give you a nice uh, low-hanging fruit, fruit. Did they get it right? <laughs> I think this one's probably pretty easy to, uh, to answer. Yeah, I, I do think they got it right. I don't think there was any question. Um, but, the you know, the the – topic that's discussable here is just how much Joe Burrow won by. That's uh, total points, 
2,608 points for Joe Burrow, and Jalen Hurts had 762. And the bigger discrepancy is in first-place votes. Uh, Joe Burrow received 841 first-place votes, and the next highest was actually Chase Young receiving 20. Wow. Oh, my gosh. I didn't know that. Not quite unanimous, but, you know, might as well have been unanimous. Like, and and when you get results like this, you kind of look at the voters who don't vote for the number one and you say, what, what are you doing? You know, it's like the, the Hall of Fame baseball voters. You're asking them, well, why, why aren't these guys unanimous? Like first ballot Hall of Famers, just to uphold a, a tradition that no one's ever been a unanimous. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make any sense to me. Joe Burrow was the most impactful player on the best college football team this year. And, and that's really what this award has become. I do think it's interesting. Um, Chase Young uh, had 20 first place votes, second most um, as a defensive player. So that's, that's interesting. Um, Do you think he had a, did Chase Young have a legitimate argument to, you know, get first place votes? I don't think so. I, 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 Chase Young is such a great player, obviously. But I think he is a generational talent. I mean, and then you have that in line with uh, Nick Bosa, Joey Bosa, so that just in line with that. Great. But I, I think Joe Burrow was just so apparent that it was uh, his Heisman to win. Because like you said, he was the best player on the best team. And it was evident. Um, and he played very well on big stages. So when you pair that with what Chase Young did, which he had a phenomenal season, but I, I still don't think, and you also got to consider that he's the quarterback, right? And Chase Young's a defensive end. So mm-hmm. there's also that, you know, if you had somebody with the year that uh, Chase Young had, but he was playing quarterback, then I could see a better case. Um, but you do have that kind of positional bias from the voters, which, you know, is a topic for another uh, day, but I do think that that's going to be considered. Um, I think that Joe Burrow was the clear winner, and I think that um, it wasn't even you know really close as the votes showed. Um, but I, I guess one of my questions for you, Logan, is you know we know you know Joe Burrow was the right winner. We know all that, but mm-hmm. we have four guys. We have Chase Young, Jalen Hurts, Joe Burrow. They're all going to be so those three guys are going to be in the NFL next year, and then. Uh, barring anything crazy and then you have chase and then you have justin fields who is going to go to house state again next year and then um transition to the nfl soon after that but with that being said out of the four candidates chase young jalen hurts justin fields joe burrow which one of those do you think is going to have the the most successful nfl career that's tough that's tough um Man, the the easy pick is for me, Joe Burrow. I think Chase Young. Um, we often miss on on guys at the top of the draft at that position. You know, mm-hmm. last year, um, all the experts you know talked about uh, the Cleland, Cleland Farrell pick for mm-hmm. Oakland, and how he was not, he was just barely expected to be a first rounder and they picked him number four and he's done really well, but not even as well as Max Crosby on the other side, 
who was a, a later round pick. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's there's the debate on um, the year that Khalil Mack got picked after Jadavion Clowney. And to this point, uh, Mack is clearly the better player. So with, with the pass rusher, um, I think there's – Maybe it's just that there's so much more time for development of of skill at that position um, that, you know, he he may be very successful, but he may not even be the most successful at his position in this draft. So mm. I, I'm going to go with Joe Burrow. I, I really kind of want to go with Jalen Hurts. I just think he's a winner. He's a leader. Um, he seems very steady, calm, cool, and collected. And, you know, that's the kind of guy that, I want leading my football team, but I do think right now Joe Burrow is the most NFL ready. And I think he'll go and make an impact immediately. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of, I'm tending to agree with you. The only sticking point for me with, when it comes to Joe Burrow is just his rise to stardom within the past year, because Joe Burrow was nothing. He was a shell of himself. Um, compared to this year when we're looking at his season last year. I mean, he was, he wasn't even a great quarterback last year and now he's winning the Heisman. And so I'm not gonna lie. That does worry me. That kind of makes me think, Oh, well, was it a, did he just get uh, better playmakers around him? Um, did he just have a, a better um, with Joe Brady coming in the um, passing game coordinator for LSU? Like, was that just what he needed? So I, I don't know if Joe Burrow, like, let's say he goes to, the Bengals and Zach Taylor um, isn't able to be a good coach and a good fit for him. Where will that go? And then that, that kind of begs the question of, well, Chase Young, he has the athleticism. We're seeing those defensive ends out of Ohio state producing is Chase Young going to fall in that quarter category of uh, Joey Bosa, Nick Bosa, um, because he has that piece. He played in the great defense. He's very athletic. I don't know, but I do, I do agree with you that that position uh, it has a high propensity to bust at the, mm-hmm. when you're taking a DN that high. Um, but I, th- I think we're kind of both talking around Justin Fields going to the side. I don't, I, it's not that I don't think Justin Fields can't be that guy. It's just, he hasn't shown that yet. I mean, he's a great quarterback. I think he could win the Heisman next year. I'm not putting it out to the table, but he's, he has some very tangible and very evident pieces in his game to improve before he takes that next step. Um, and then Jalen Hurts, you know, he, uh, same with you. He He's a winner, right? But that arm, you know, I mean, the arm improved a lot. I, I guess you could say improved a lot over um, transitioning to Lincoln Riley's offense. But I don't know. You know, in the running game, uh, coaches with Lamar Jackson are seeing people tailoring offenses around a, a running quarterback or um, not that he's just a running quarterback, but tailoring around what you have. And that's been very evident in the NFL. So the way that the NFL is shifting maybe lends itself to Jalen Hurts being successful. Um, But I I think I'd agree with you. I I think if I had to put money on it right now, I would put Joe Burrow as having the most successful NFL career um, and then put Chase Young as um, coming in second. And then maybe, I don't know, Jalen Hurts and then Justin Fields, something like that. But only time will tell. Yep. Fields still has time to develop. Um, Yeah. And uh, Chase Young, he's not quite the same type of player as the Bosa brothers, is he? Am I wrong there? No, I don't think you're wrong. Um, I mean, Chase Young is – I think the thing that the Bosa brothers both had, well, definitely Joey and 
somewhat Nick is, I mean, that, that ability, that like length, I think is one of the biggest things they have going for them. Um, and not that Chase Young doesn't have this, but I think his is more of like explosivity, explosiveness is the better word. Um, so I would say that they're different. I mean, I haven't watched a ton of Chase Young, um, but I've seen him here and there. Obviously I've watched a good amount of Joey is Bosa playing for the chargers and Nick Bosa this year playing great. But I think, the length and both Bosa and both Bosa's have this awesome ability to be able to bend, which you really need as mm-hmm. a defensive end. And I, I don't know, like just to be frank, I don't know if Chase Young has that, but I do know that he can fire out the ball and like crazy. And so he kind of brings a different skill set to the table. Right. So one thing that I think maybe is the biggest takeaway from from this, the voting from the turnaround that Joe Burrow had um, and Jalen Hurts as well, finishing second, is how much offensive scheme matters in college football. Um, you look at Joe Burrow before they brought in the pass game coordinator from the Saints. He was, you know, an average guy, not expected to even be drafted um Jalen Hurts was the same you know if he was going to get drafted it was going to be as an athlete and then he transfers to Oklahoma and becomes a a Heisman finalist um Mm -hmm. I don't think it it matters as much in the NFL you compress that talent pool and you know that kind of levels the playing field a little bit now you've seen uh, Lamar Jackson with a perfect scheme fit be very successful this year but that's not something we see duplicated over multiple years for the most part um, we see defensive defenses catch up a lot faster in the NFL mainly because of the 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 talent pool so yeah all that to say that it is hard to judge these guys and project how they're going to play because we watched two of these guys make 180 degree turnarounds, you know, in the last year, just due to Mm -hmm. the offensive scheme and coaching. Yeah, that's totally correct. And they did make those turnarounds and it's interesting to see. And uh, it's also interesting to think about Joe Burrow is older than uh, Lamar Jackson. Yeah, that's crazy. Here's another interesting fact for you out of the top 10 receiving Heisman votes. We've got, one, two, three, four. So forty percent have at one point been on Ohio State's roster. You've wow. got Joe Burrow who transferred from there, and Justin Fields, Chase Young, and J.K. Dobbins came in number six. Ah, okay, okay, wow. So three current man. Mm-hmm. That that just shows, and I believe except for Chase Young. J.K. Dobbins and uh, Justin Fields are going to come back next year. So that's then. Well, I haven't heard anything on J.K. Dobbins. I know he's projected as a first-round pick. Uh, I guess I haven't heard if he's declared yet or not. Yeah, I'm not sure about that. Um, I could be wrong, but I think he is definitely on the 2020 NFL draft running back watch for sure. So Mm -hmm. who knows? He might come back. But that's going to be a loaded class with DeAndre Swift as well so that'll be fun right. to watch if he does declare so um i guess we'll be watching out for that for sure all right let's jump into our 
play- what did we call it last week? The NFL playoff draft. NFL playoff draft. Something. Playoff team NFL draft. Play- NFL playoff team draft. I like it. So just to recap for all you listeners out there, um, which we thank you. I, I guess I didn't put this at the beginning of the episode, but this is our second episode. We launched our first episode last week on Thursday, and we've already had uh, quite a bit of people listening to our podcast. We're available on Anchor, Spotify, and Overcast. Um, so if you want to look for our podcast or recommend it, you can just send that link straight from one of those platforms. Um, but this is our second episode, and we're excited. We have uh, plans for our third episode so just stay tuned for all of our episodes uh and see where we go but logan did um alienate tony romo last last week so if you're mm-hmm. in- interested in having a tony romo interview it's probably not going to happen here but <laughs> uh but so just fyi so if you're only looking for a sports podcast that does tony romo interviews this probably isn't the podcast for you not the one for you <laughs> so just to uh, on that note to give you an update about uh last week in our episode last um time we recorded we had the nfl playoff team draft and essentially what this was was we took the playoff picture for both the afc and the nfc last week and logan and i had a snake draft to oh i guess back and forth draft to talk about and to pick which drafts or which teams um we wanted to put on our team going into the playoffs. So what I mean by that is essentially we went and picked AFC and NFC teams. um, And now we're seeing who stays in the playoffs the longest. And yes, we intentionally did that uh, before the playoffs started to add more drama because more drama equals more drama. I kind of, I kind of intrigue. More drama equals more intrigue. I like it. Yeah. Okay. That, something something work. like that. Yeah. Okay. And, and so there definitely was more drama. There was. Yes. There's, there's there already was. been some moving around in the seating. And so, yeah, from when we picked the playoff picture looks a little bit different. Yes, it does. And that's the exciting part of picking a few weeks before the playoff starts. So Logan, last week for the AFC, you picked the Ravens, the Texans, and the Chiefs. Is that correct? That is correct. Perfect. Last week for the AFC, I picked the Patriots, the Bills, and the Steelers. So I'm just going to update you on the AFC playoff picture right now. The one seed is the Baltimore Ravens. The two seed is the New England Patriots. That's what it was last week. So as of now, Logan and I still have the Ravens and the Patriots in. The third seed, the Kansas City Chiefs. The fourth seed is the Houston Texans. The fifth seed, the Buffalo Bills. And the sixth seed is the Pittsburgh Steelers. So the AFC playoff picture didn't change at all from last week. Um, As far as one through six seeds, um, outside of it was a little bit more interesting. Um, But you still have the, the Titans and... Somehow the Browns looking in from the inside out is, am I reading this correctly, Logan? Are the Browns still technically in it at six and eight? No, I don't think so. That's the, according to CBSSports.com, the Cleveland Browns could still make the playoffs and go on a Super Bowl run. Man, if that happens, maybe we will have Tony Romo on the podcast because then anything (laughs) could happen. Yeah, he'll ride his flying pig into the studio that we don't have to record our podcast. 
That's right. And you know who's sitting last in the AFC playoff picture right now? Like, like not actually not playoff picture, but just AFC in general is Joe Burrow's Bengals. <laughs> yes. He's going to lead them to victory next year. Um, all right. NFC, this is where things got interesting this week. So Logan's picks for the NFC uh, playoff picture were the Packers, the Cowboys, and the Saints. And my picks for the NFC playoff picture last week were the 49ers, Seahawks, and the Minnesota Vikings. Now, let's check this out. Who's in first place in the playoff picture for the NFC? Russell Wilson's Seattle Seahawks. Oh, man. You did it to me. I, I mean, I did that's it. what I. That's my team. That's what I. You picked the, the Niners first, and. I did. You know, I did. That's not a bad pick, and you, you now end up with you know, two solid teams and sure. looks like good value with the Seahawks, but yeah, it's, it's going to be tough. The, but you know, the whole NFC right now, you've got the 49ers, the Seahawks and the saints all at 11 and three. Any mm-hmm. of those teams can come out with, Oh, and the Packers. I'm just kind of discounting the Packers right now, but <laughs> any of those teams with the one seed, it's, yep. it's up for grabs. Yeah, that's going to make things really interesting in the next two weeks. Um, with the uh, second seed in the NFC, we've got the Green Bay Packers, as you said. Third seed, New Orleans Saints. Fourth seed, Dallas Cowboys. And somehow the fifth seed is the 49ers. And they were the first seed last week. So they've dropped mm-hmm. from first to fifth. And that's all about being in the same division as the Seahawks, obviously. But just take note, the Dallas Cowboys at 7-7 seven and seven are above the San Francisco 49ers at 11 and three. And then the Minnesota Vikings are still at six. And that's where I believe they were last week as well. So that big, the big change is obviously the, the Seahawks and the 49ers um, and them switching places. And I, I don't know, let's see, I guess the Seahawks clinched their division. Is that correct? I think, I believe so. Um, so it's no, they, like the Seahawks have clinched a playoff spot, but not a, a division. Spot. Gotcha. Okay. The Saints are the only my, uh... team in the NFC to have clinched a division. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. I mixed up my info still. Um, yeah. So, so that could go back and forth, right? Like the Seahawks 49ers feasibly first to fifth. Yes. Man. Yeah. Yeah. Woo. One of those teams is going to be, I mean, in all likelihood first and the other is going to be uh, fifth. Yeah. Now, I mean, the Saints could still do it. And the Packers, I, I think the Packers are going to lose to the Vikings this week. And, That'll put that might switch uh, the Vikings into the division lead. That would be the something. Vikings are sitting at uh, ten and four, but you know they could blow it up and still give away the the wild card to the Rams potentially. Man, so we're so we have a playoff picture right now going in the last two weeks of the NFL that the Minnesota Vikings could win the division, pushing the Packers down to the sixth seed. Huh. And that is yeah. well. That you know that you know that would mean that the Cowboys seven and seven would be above two eleven and three teams. <laughs> Man, that's and that's great conversation for the argument that it shouldn't be by division in the two wild cards. It should just be conference best uh, records throughout each conference, which you know is another topic for another day. But they're making a good case if that's what if that ends up happening to the Packers. 
this is the most Jason Garrett Cowboys thing that could happen <laughs> for them to back into a division win Man. that puts them ahead of two teams that are 10 times as good as them. It's I agree. Ridiculous. And then, you know, what I mean, if if they seriously win a playoff game and somehow Jason Garrett retains his job, I think I will have to no longer be a Cowboys fan. Like, I just cannot put up with that anymore. Like, for me, here's the line for Jason Garrett to keep his job. Make it to the Super Bowl. That is it. There is nothing else that he should be able to do to keep his job. There's, I mean, I was talking about this um, this weekend. And it, what it comes down to is the Cowboys have extraordinary talent all in the prime of their careers. And they don't have time to give Jason Garrett another shot. And then someone I was telling this to said, made the argument, well, if they bring in a new coach, isn't there going to be, you know, a, a learning curve? Isn't there going to be, uh, aren't you going to lose a year because of the new coach, the new system? I said, no, typically, you know, if they go out and get an offensive guy, then the rest of the division is going to have the learning curve and mm-hmm. the Cowboys will be a leg up. And I mean, they've yeah. got the talent. They, they've got guys that are, they've got a good mix of young guys and veterans with, with playoff experience. And yeah, I think they just need the right leader and um, to kind of push them in the right direction. You know, if they fire uh, Jason Garrett, Freddie Kitchens might be available. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> How about that? <laughs> I think I actually think what's interesting is Jason Garrett would be a good fit for the Browns. Well, they're both very mediocre, right? Like just a legacy of mediocrity. They and who well, knows what that would look like. I don't, I don't. I think saying that the Browns have a legacy of mediocrity is generous. <laughs> That's fair. I guess I'm thinking about the past two years only recency bias. <laughs> but no, I think Jason Garrett could, you know, get the Browns to winning a couple playoff games. And, you know, that'd be a huge step for them. That would be what Jason I want Garrett, to put it past them. What they offer, what he brings is stability and um, discipline. And, you know, that's, that's what that team needs. And sometimes mm-hmm. it just takes a new voice and it takes a change of scenery for people to be successful. And that could be, that could be a good fit, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he had a locker room, you know, at one point of Des, and then he's dealt with Zeke and all his suspensions and drama. And, um, you know, he hasn't had it with a, he's had a defensive line that has kind of been here and there with, suspensions and whatnot so he's definitely had to deal with a lot of drama so he he could be a good fit for the browns that would be interesting but obviously that'll be contingent about upon the browns and the cowboys both making their moves but that will be interesting to see we'll have a lot of fun i think uh in about three weeks when we can start talking about the black friday that's gonna happen or no it was black monday right that that happens when right the the last week uh, after game yep Mm -hmm. yeah yep so ben you know, neither of us are actually sports or football experts. As much as we'd like to brand ourselves as such, doing this wow. podcast. Wow. You, know, you mean, you can't tell that I don't know every single thing there is to know about sports? Yeah. I can't, and that's why I'm not an expert. So, Fair. you know, we've, we've each got our areas of expertise in reality and, and what we do for our profession. And 
And so, you know, you've got a degree in nutrition. And so, you know, I think there's a few players who could probably use your help um, with, you know, getting to fulfill their true potential. Um, so I, I want to, you know, introduce this segment. What, um, what kind of health and nutrition advice would you offer, say, a Cam Newton? So a Cam Newton, that's, that's interesting one because Cam has had a very volatile, um, not just season, but last few seasons up and down. Um, I think that's due to diet. It could be, it very well could be. So there, there has been this mantra. One of my friends sent it, um, to me on Twitter, this article about how Cam has gone vegan. Right. And so, uh, he's gone vegan and he is, he's not, um, eating obviously any meat or anything like that. And whenever you go vegan, there's a concern that you don't get enough protein. Um, obviously there are ways to supplement it and make it, make sure you get enough protein. Um, but it's, it's been kind of, a, a what I had to deal with, uh, when that article was like released, um, is, is, and I, I do have a, a hobby in nutrition, so it's not a great, but it is a hobby, but basically I like, um, very literate people in nutrition who know what they're talking about. But then I had to listen to like all these pundits joke about like, or actually, I don't think they were joking, but they were saying, you know, if Cam starts eating steak again, he's going to stay healthy. And <laughs> not that I'm saying that's not, not the case. Um, I don't think the science is behind it one way or another, but I, I think that's kind of why I'm like, it is a joking manner. Cam has got to eat meat if he wants to land a starting job somewhere, <laughs> but okay. it does, it's, I okay. mean, it's interesting, right? It correlates, I think more or less when he started playing poorly and started getting all these injuries when he started this vegan diet. Again, I, it's very, very, very difficult to see if that has any relation to the vegan diet whatsoever. And I'm saying, not saying it does or doesn't, um, but it's more just like a joke that a lot of people pour into that um, rather than just thinking maybe Cam is injury prone, right? But regardless mm. of the fact that whether it's whether it is his diet, whether it uh, is just that you know he's he's been a running quarterback um, a fair amount and he is far removed from his rookie year. I think he's gone on about year ten or so. He's got to, however it is, putting meat back in the diet, uh, getting a new trainer, whatever it is, he has got to. Uh, start getting healthy if he wants to land a starting job somewhere, whether that's with the Panthers or the Bears or someone else. There's a lot of rumors out there, so who knows? That's for sure. I think that it's uh, it's pretty evident Cam has been lacking some protein. So let's move on to quarterback. Um, you know, for years, we thought he was ageless, but I believe we've started to see the decline. <laughs> what can Tom Brady do to get back on track? All right, so Tom Brady, Tom Brady needs to grab his wide receivers and force feed them his TB12 method and avocado ice cream because we talked about last week how <laughs> Tom Brady is not the issue. It is his wide receivers. They are so terrible. He has Julian Edelman, who's the only respectable wide receiver there. I mean, Muhammad Sanu is okay when he's not injured. Um, Nikhil Harry, he looks like a rookie because he is a rookie. You have Matt Lacoste. Uh, Matt Lacoste, you have Ben Watson as well, who's respectable, but he's almost as old as Tom Brady, I think. Uh, and he's playing tight end. Philip Dorsett, who I, I think, in my opinion, has been kind of a letdown from what they wanted out of him. 
And then Jacoby Myers, who may have the worst hands on the team. Um, their wide receiver core is just so bad. And I feel bad for Tom Brady too, because he like puts in so much effort. Like he has this TB12 methodology and he's, he eats very healthy and he works out a ton and he stretches and all this stuff. And I heard that he practiced falling when he got, when he gets sacked so that it reduces injury and all this stuff. He puts that in, but then the, the wide receivers around him, the, one of the, other positions in the field that he needs to perform the best so he can perform his best are failing him. So I think he's got to do something. And if it means he's got to sign us up, his players up for a TV 12 subscription, then he's got to do it. And maybe he, maybe he'll even pay <laughs> for it too. He's got enough money to do so. Yeah. Then hopefully, you know, we'll see more drama with them going to TB 12 for treatment instead of the Patriots <laughs> trainers and Bill Belichick, oh, you know, man. frowning in more than usual. And, all that that'll be that'll be great to talk. That about. would be something if they all went to. Uh, I forgot his the Tom Brady's trainer's name, but if they all started using Tom Brady's trainer, who like got kicked out of the uh, New England training facility, <laughs> yeah. that'd be a bunch of drama, especially mid playoffs too. Oh man, that would be great. That would be excellent. All right, so for our next segment, I think we're going to move on to the college football playoffs. Woo! Love it. So, yeah, college football playoffs. We we talked briefly about did the committee get it right? We think they did. This was probably the easiest year. Um, but what is going to be the outcome? You've got LSU ranked number one playing Oklahoma ranked number four. And then you've got numbers two and three, Ohio State and Clemson uh, facing off in the other semifinal match. What do you think? What's our outcome here? Who's going to win the semifinal games? Yeah, so uh, first we've got – so first talk about Oklahoma uh, and the LSU game. Um, and then I want to hear what you have to say about the Ohio State-Clemson game because I, I have a winner. I have a pretty clear-cut winner in my head. So I want to see if what, what your view is to see if it matches or not or to see if we're going to fight about this because we need some fight. I'm in a fighting mood today. Um, <laughs> so, okay, LSU, Oklahoma, I, I don't – I mean, this is pretty – I think this is a pretty easy pick like the Heisman. I think LSU is going to win um, against Oklahoma. I think that they're going to win by at least 14 points. I mean, um, they put up – they killed Georgia, who's a very respectable team. And I don't know – I don't even know if Georgia is worse than Oklahoma this year. Um, when you're thinking about the one through three seeds, when you're thinking about um, LSU, Ohio State, and Clemson – we all kind of lump them in one category and then lump Oklahoma in another category. I think just right. because they were the three seeds, they were not in that specific order, but they stayed in the three seeds and the Oklahoma had to come in as a four seed. Um, I believe ranked six, it was six or seventh. And then one by, and then got in by default um, because other teams lost. So they had to benefit from other teams losing and able to get in. And so in my mind, it, Oklahoma is, the odd man out of this group. And I think LSU is going to, um, is going to win pretty handily. I think it's interesting because we're kind of looking at, you know, Oklahoma's defense has been so bad and now they actually have an, an okay defense, pretty good defense. Um, still not anything near, um, some of these other teams. Uh, but you have a respectable defense with Oklahoma have a really good offense, which they've always had, but now you have a really good def or really good offense with LSU, which they haven't typically had, so we're kind of talking about LSU's offense against Oklahoma's defense rather than 
what it usually has been in the past, talking about LSU's defense and Oklahoma's offense. So it's going to be an interesting matchup. But at the end of the day, if I had to pick one game, like to sit on my couch to reserve a three-hour time slot specifically for one of those two games, um, it would definitely be the 2-3 game with Ohio State and Clemson. So, look, I'm going to turn it over to you to hear what you have to think to see if we're on the same page or completely different pages with who's going to win that Clemson-Ohio State game. Okay. But before I get to that one, I'll, I'll say I don't think the gap is as big between Oklahoma and LSU as everyone Ooh, else does. I like it. We're already you know, fighting. <laughs> I think, you know, they laid an egg against Kansas State, and there's, there's a legit question. Would we be talking about this the same way if – Oklahoma had not lost that game and they'd come in as undefeated, just like the other three teams. Mm. I think they'd still be the four seed, or I think they still should be. They might, honestly, they might have jumped to the three seed because everyone's down on Clemson this year, but I think they are the worst team in the playoff, but I don't think the gap is that big. I think this is going to come down to Oklahoma's turnovers. Are they able to force any turnovers and how many do they give up? That's been their downfall in the last few weeks um, to Kansas State, to TCU where, they're ne- where they nearly lost, and to Baylor both times is mainly Jalen Hurts' turnovers. So if he can limit turnovers, this could be a shootout. I, the only way that I see it, Oklahoma winning the game is if they get one more possession and they capitalize on it. So it would be like mm-hmm. a 51-48 point game. I think this would be a massive shootout if Oklahoma stays in the game. But if they continue to turn over the ball, um, I don't think they have any chance to stop Joe Burrow and LSU's offense. Um, so it would be, like you said, a blowout. If they so what you, if you had a bet, if you had a bet, what, what would you say is the uh, win margin for LSU? Hmm, I'm going to say six points. Oh, Okay. I think it's going to be wow. a close game. I think we've got two high-powered offenses, and you know we've got one good defense. But I'm I'm pretty impressed by what Lincoln Riley can do, and I believe with plenty of time to prepare, he'll have a game plan in place. He saw what Texas was able to do. Uh, he played Texas, and so I think I think they'll be able to put together a good game plan and make it a good game. Um, yeah, you know I I think kind of my frame of mind going into this is like I thought that they were going to have I thought that the game against Alabama right going into it I I guess I was expecting that to be close going into the SEC championship game I guess I was expecting that to maybe be close Um, but then LSU ran away with both games and like so that frame of mind I just it's hard for me to see LSU like to me LSU is kind of untouchable right now but what you're kind of suggesting is that that LSU Texas game back in early September where LSU won 48 uh, to 30 or 45 to 38, which was a shootout. That's a, mm-hmm. and then obviously with the uh, big 12 rival, then it would be very fun to watch. Um, but unfortunately we will not have a winner to this debate for about uh, what, two, three more weeks. Um, so we'll see. Nice. Yep. So on to the next matchup. Man, this one is tough because I don't believe that Clemson is as bad as everybody kind of thinks. And I think the kind of the hype train, the media train is is moving off of that narrative. They've seen that 
you know, okay, look, they may not have played anybody, but they didn't lose a game and they beat handily most of the teams, especially in the back half of their schedule. So, but you also get the hype that Ohio State, this team is the best Ohio State team ever. Mm. Um, So that's, that's, that's tough. That's, we've got really good teams this year. And it's crazy that Alabama isn't in the mix when we're talking about maybe the best talent pool in the playoff. But man, I've got to go with Ohio State. I think they are the proven commodity. Um, I think I'll probably be rooting for Clemson um, just to kind of prove people wrong, to, to throw it in the face of Ohio State fans, say, you know, who think they're all that right now. But I, I got to go with with who's shown me more, and and that's Ohio State. The combination of Justin Fields and J.K. Dobbins is nearly unstoppable. I think, oh, it's 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 so close because uh, Lawrence and E.T.N. are a dynamic duo mm-hmm. in and of themselves. But oh, in college football today, uh, the running quarterback makes a huge difference. Uh, I got to give the edge to um, Fields and Dobbins in that matchup, mm-hmm. and I think that's probably it, it's probably going to be a shootout too. I don't think we're going to see um, low score, great defense. I think we're going to see a lot of scoring, a lot of a lot of big explosive plays. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's that's very interesting that you say that, and we are going to going to fight a little bit today because I am. I, I think Clemson's going to win it. Now, I think he made some good points. He swayed me a little bit. Um, I was pretty feeling good about Clemson. Um, you made some good points with Ohio State's backfield and everything like that. I think that, to me, both teams are very talented. It's, it's hard to look at their schedules, right, from going through because Clemson is playing in the ACC and they dominate in the ACC this year. Um but it's, it's the ACC, and the ACC was weak this year. And then Ohio State played well in the um, in Big Ten and has better talent than ACC this year. But there were some closer games, like with the Penn State and the, the championship, although they weren't that close. So it's hard to tell just looking at their schedule. When we're looking at the defenses, um, so Clemson has um, one of the one of the top defenses uh, in the nation right now. And then, but Ohio State still is. Um, like third essentially, so they're in my in my view, their defenses are a wash. And then Ohio State has the best offense, and then Clemson has uh, the fifth best offense or fourth best offense according to Odd Shark. So to me, their defense and their offense are a wash. They're essentially equal. So when it happens like that, I look to the quarterback, and then I look to the head coach. I think that. The, the way I came to this decision was that Trevor Lawrence, I think, is not only right now a better quarterback than Justin Fields, but has played in the big spotlight. Yes, Justin, Field has, Justin Fields has played in a Michigan rivalry game and played um, against a, a good Penn State team and he played in a championship game as well. But Trevor Lawrence, you know, he played in the national championship last year. A um, couple ACC championships. So Trevor Lawrence, I think, is is – the better quarterback and is going to perform better under the lights. And then I think 
Ryan Day is a very good coach, but I think Dabo Sweeney is better, and he's proven that over the years, even before Trevor Lawrence was on board. So because they have Trevor Lawrence and because they have Dabo Sweeney, um, who I think are both respectively um, a little step up from Justin Fields and Ryan Day, they're going to win the game. So that's that's my thought process. I don't know, um, but I like that we have differing views on this because it'll make things interesting going into it. Uh, usually I just like want good football, but now that we have differing opinions and we have our listeners to keep us accountable, I'm going to definitely be rooting for Clemson <laughs> instead of just like hoping, oh, it's just good a good game. But now I'm rooting for Clemson. So I'm glad that we did this. Yeah, you made, you make some interesting points there about the – which way you lean in, in coach and quarterback. And, you know, I, I don't know that I want to go there, but I could make the argument that I would lean the other way on both of those. I, I mean, yeah, I think Dabo's the, the, the more obviously experienced, he's the motivator, he's the personality, but I mean, Ryan day has, has proven himself as a, as you know, an up and coming coach uh, a guy with a great offensive scheme and ability to get the best out of his players um and then you know i don't i don't think i would use the term better quarterback to describe justin fields over hunter lawrence but better overall player i i might lean towards justin fields and uh, i mean i think that's that could be the difference you know in um, in a in a battle that, you know, I don't want to. This, this is hyperbole, but in a battle that could resemble USC, Texas, uh, with Vince mm. Young and Matt Leiner, you've got the mm. one guy with more experience with a better arm, and then you've got the other guy who can just make some stuff happen. And in college football, you've got you've seen success with those guys with Johnny Manziel beating Alabama with. Uh, even Tua Tungavaloa being very successful with Alabama, um, Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts, all these guys, the running quarterbacks, Lamar Jackson, what he was able to do. And then when you put a guy that's that explosive in an offensive system that is advanced and productive, and then surround him by the amount of talent that Ohio State can can put there, uh, it's it's going to be tough, and and so that's I don't want to say you know hey Ryan Day is the better coach and Justin Fields is the better quarterback. I'm not going to go that far. I'm not going to try to be you know Skip Bayless or anything with the <laughs> fire takes that make no sense. But I'll say <laughs> I'll say that in the circumstance, I think the advantage might go to Ohio State in both of those categories. Not that either one are better than the other just that their strengths may prove more important than Clemson's strengths. Mm, that's a good way to put it. It's going to be a fun game regardless. I mean, you just have such teams, such great coaches. And, and really, I, I think as we've kind of shown here, this game could go both ways. So it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Um, I think that both games uh, are going to be fun to watch. But like I said, if I had to pick one game, it would definitely be – the Clemson Ohio State game, um, and I think that you know, Logan. I didn't know that you were being paid by the College Football Playoff Committee to <laughs> to to garner views by comparing it to the USC Texas game. But that's yeah. good to know. I think I picked the right one to watch. Then, 
No, no doubt. I think that's probably going to be the better game. But like I said, I don't, I don't think the gap is as big for Oklahoma and LSU. I think that's going to be – I think it's going to be fun to watch. It, the score might not turn out looking very close, but, I mean, you're going to see some offensive fireworks in that game as well. I agree. I agree. All right. Well, it's been fun reviewing our playoff predictions, both for the NFL and for college football, talking about the Heisman and even incorporating a little bit of nutrition facts in this show. I love it. Uh, Concerning episode three, we are actually not taking a break off for Christmas. We are giving you a lot of material. So we will be releasing episode three on uh, Christmas Eve. So be on the lookout for that, all of our listeners. Until then, Logan, it's been fun. As a, a quick aside, remember, going for two, pod19 at gmail.com. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, or quagmires, Logan, Logan now, it's been fun. It has been. Thanks for listening, guys.